Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. New York really stepped in it this time. Following the $350 million fraud ruling against Trump, truckers have announced that they will be boycotting loads delivered to the city. Now, I don't know exactly how big that could get. And maybe it's 10 truckers, maybe it's more. But considering the political leanings of many in the trucking profession, seems likely that this will have some kind of impact on New York City. We all remember the Freedom Convoy, the Freedom Truckers in Canada. The government was so shocked by what they were doing, they started freezing bank accounts and stealing money. And then, of course, there's the Colorado Truckers boycott, where a man was sentenced to 110 years in prison after his brakes failed. A bunch of people who drive trucks said we're not going in that state. And then they were forced to reduce the sentence to 10 years. And I do want to talk about that case because it's pretty wild. But what we see here is that truckers are somewhat of an organized group. They lean pretty right, not completely. This may have a tremendous impact. But for those that aren't following exactly why this is happening, this has to do with Donald Trump's fraud ruling. And I'll give you the gist of that so you can understand. Donald Trump was accused of fraud by New York. They argued that he artificially inflated the value of his assets in order to secure better loans, more money. Yes, uh, that's literally what all people do all the time everywhere. It's not a crime. It's not fraud. It is normal. Seriously. Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary. I looked it up. I, I guess his net worth is the tune of half a billion dollars. He's not quite a billionaire, but he's a very wealthy guy. Says this is insane. You're going to have to prosecute. You're going to have to go after every single real estate developer everywhere. So it's not just that truckers are boycotting. But Kathy Hochul of New York is begging developers like, please, please, everything's fine. You have nothing to worry about. Why? Because anyone who works in real estate is now going, holy crap, we are all guilty of fraud and they are going to strip and steal our assets. Good luck, New York. Now, of course, if you're a regime ally or puppet, you probably have nothing to worry about. But this is the way the country is shifting. That is, if you're a regular role real estate developer, you're going to avoid avoid New York. But if you're a Nazi, you're going to want to build in New York. And why do I say Nazi? 
Well, first, let's start with the gist of the claims against Donald Trump. Not only did they did did, did they try to criminalize or they're calling it a civil fraud thing, a standard business practice. Trump was not even given an opportunity to defend himself. That's correct. The judge in the case banged the gavel and said, summary judgment. I don't need to see anything. There does not need to be a trial. Trump is guilty. Now, the trial we are going to have is to determine whether or not he fraudulently altered documents and what's the damages. In this trial, they, they weren't allowed to actually claim Trump didn't do this. No, it was already determined by the court. You committed fraud. So this is shocking and wild. But here's why I say Nazi. I read of, uh, I'm far from an expert, okay. But you know, when a lot of people were arguing about Nazis being socialists, I was like, okay, well, you know, that would, that would imply some kind of like left-wing economics. But then the left was like, they were not socialists. That's a lie. And so I was like, well, then which is it? I decided to fact check. So I read a couple academic papers and I stress a couple, literally like one and a half. Okay. I'd say two, but I didn't completely finish it because one of them was just, I read the economics portion and then stopped reading it. I don't want to read into like the other, like, I'm not going to read down into like uh, <clears throat> non-economic related issues pertaining to Weimar Germany and, and Nazi Germany. But uh, the issue was this. What I read was it wasn't socialist. It wasn't a command economy like the communists, but it may as well have been. There were there was private industry. You were able to build what you wanted and trade how you saw fit, but it had to be to the benefit of the regime. Well, interesting. Get it? If you were someone who is critical of the Nazi party, oh, you're in trouble. But if you supported the regime, well, then you were fine. They would come to a steel factory and say, you're not you're not producing steel for the war effort. Well, we can't have that. And what would happen is people would stop trading with you. They'd say, look, I don't want any trouble. I don't want people coming and smashing up my businesses. I don't want to get into a fight with the government. I don't want the regulation. I'm not going to do business with someone who's persona non grata. So it was through social enforcement, ideological enforcement, everybody fell in line. And that's exactly what we see with cancel culture. People terrified to speak out against what they see as wrong because they're scared. Far leftists will smash their windows out, burn their buildings to the ground, destroy their dreams. And this is what we're seeing now in New York. Real estate developers going to get wise real quick. But this doesn't mean real estate will stop being developed. It means that allies of the Democratic Party who donate to the Democratic Party are going to be with smiles on their faces, developing, building, using the exact same techniques Donald Trump used. You want to know how you know the whole fraud trial was a fraud itself? They argued that Mar-a-Lago is worth something like $20 million. Okay, Mar-a-Lago is beachfront to beachfront property, something like 20 some odd acres. Neighboring buildings go for 20 to $40 million. How could Mar-a-Lago be worth less? Considering it's not just a property, but it's a business. At minimum, at minimum, based on construction costs, dry real estate value. Imagine it was a flat parking lot. What it'd be worth? You're looking at $500 million, maybe 300. But in reality, I think it's fair to say it's a billion dollar entity, as Trump did. 20 million? Here's the game plan. What they're going to do. And I predicted this. And here we go. They are going to argue that Trump's buildings are not actually worth 500 million. They're worth 30 million, 20 million, like Mar-a-Lago. And they're going to do this in New York. 
They're going to say Donald Trump owes New York State $364 million. And when Trump doesn't pay, they're going to, first of all, they're not going to let him sell the buildings. They've already put bans on him serving as, a, as an officer. They've already forced uh, his children to pay, and they're restricting his ability to do business. Considering this, what's likely going to happen is, let's say Trump's got a $500 million building. And he says, okay, I'll pay the fine by selling this building. Nope, you can't do it. We have suspended you. And who in their right mind is going to do a deal with Trump? They're going to be like, dude, no way. The machine's going to come after me. So what'll happen then is Trump will, if he doesn't pay, have to hand over assets. The state will seize the property. And what they're going to do is the building's actually worth 500 million, by the way, as a business and as real estate. But they're going to say, no, it's worth 20. So that 350 million you owe us, we're seizing your building. And now you owe us 330 million. Even though Trump's net worth is to the tune of billions based on these buildings, I don't know that the buildings in New York are actually 500 million. Maybe it's 100 million or whatever. It could be 500 million. I think that's actually fair. But Trump doesn't own literally all of it, my understanding is. So it's not towards his complete net worth. But they'll seize it. And then they'll sell it off to a, a political ally. Now, what we're seeing with truckers, I think, will be very interesting because real estate developers are going are to say, no way, we're out. Truckers are going to stop delivering. And I think it's interesting, but I do want to point out, as of this morning, Truckers is trending on X to the tune of 300,000 posts. Everybody is hearing this message. It started with one guy who said, I'm on the radio all day, and all the truckers I hear are saying, we are not going to accept loads that go to New York City. We don't care. Okay. Okay. But it's also fair to say, mm, maybe it has an impact. Maybe it drives up costs. Probably will. But competition exists. There are certainly going to be truckers who are younger and say, dude, I don't care at all about Trump. Everybody denied these these deliveries, these loads. And so now the company's doubled the rate. I'll take it. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe truckers just boycott the, the, the city and the state in other means, in other ways. When uh, we have this story, actually, uh, I don't know if I pulled up somewhere. Here we go. From CloudTrucks.com, what happened with the Colorado trucking boycott? In this instance, this is a wild story, by the way. This truck driver in over his head, 23 years old, his brakes failed, smoke was coming out, he burned him out, crashed, killed four people. He shouldn't be in prison at all. Sorry, he shouldn't be in prison at all. They gave him 10 years in the end. But he was initially sentenced to 110 years in prison. And a bunch of truckers stopped at the border of the state of Colorado and would not enter the state because they were like, I don't want to go to prison. Like if my brakes fail, I, you, you read the details of the story and there are some people who argue this kid is guilty or whatever. And I'm like, I think the reality is he didn't know what he was doing for real. You know, uh, uh, I watched this video of a guy skiing and he's going like 50 miles an hour, just blasting downhill and he won't stop and then slams into a bunch of people. And it's like, yeah, he didn't know how to stop. And so everyone's like, well, that's his fault. It is. But there's a difference between an accident and malicious attacks on people. And the point of prison is to protect us from violence. So we lock someone up. And also, you know, there's some kind of retribution, punishment, rehabilitation, whether we get any of that. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. 
Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What is the purpose of locking someone up who is involved in an accident? It's simple. You lose your driver's license. That's how you prevent this from happening. Again, a guy who barrels down a slope and slams into people, you pull his pass and you ban him from coming back. He didn't intentionally do anything. You're not solving any problems. But the truck drivers just stopped. We're not going to the state. <clears throat> what happens? If you get a bunch of truckers outside of New York, maybe the Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel, wherever, and they just don't move and they say, I am not going to, and they jam up the tunnel. Oh, the cops can come in and be like, you got to move. And they'll be like, I ain't moving. You can tow it. Not my truck. What happens if truck drivers just stop? And, and, and then you get, I don't know, a truck gets stuck or something like this happens where they're like, I am not going to enter this city. I need to turn around. And then they, they don't deliver the loads. What happens if people just park on the side of the roads? And at the very least, if truckers do start boycotting New York, prices will go up for New Yorkers. I don't know that they care. There's a lot of wild stuff happening. I think this video from uh, uh, CNN is actually really important. And I want you to hear what Kevin O'Leary has to say. This is Kevin O'Leary talking about Donald Trump and uh, what happened recently. L listen to this. It's two minutes long. Well, let's leave out Trump for a minute and let's leave out politics and just talk about what happens in real estate development anywhere. So if you're a developer and you've got a building on, on a block anywhere in America and it's worth, let's say, $500 million and you want to build a building right beside it, you go to the bank and say, this building is worth $500 million. I'd like to borrow a construction finance loan against this asset and I want you to tell me it's worth 500 million too. And the bank negotiates with you and says, well, no, we think it's worth 400 million. And you fight it out. You're always trying to show your assets in the brightest light with the sunshine you could possibly determine for them. You want them to be worth the very most because you're only gonna get a 40 or 50% loan to value as it's called. Then you borrow that money in the case of a $500 million asset, maybe you get $250 million, and you build a new building with a construction finance loan. And so that's what this case is all about. What, and, and by the way, forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on earth does this. They always talk about their asset being worth a lot, and the bank says no. And that's just the way it is. So... In this case, when I'm trying to figure out, and I'm not pro or con, or I don't care about the politics, who lost money? Nobody. The bank got paid back the construction finance loan, and a new building was built. And if, if you're going to sue this case and win, you got to sue every real estate developer everywhere. This is all they do. This is what they do all day long, every day. So I don't think this thing will ever survive appeal, regardless of what the fine is. This doesn't even make sense. Now, look, I know Trump's got a lot of problems in other indictments and everything else, but but this 
if you're a real estate developer, you're watching this, you're saying, what is this? This is ridiculous. I'd like to just point out to Kevin O'Leary, perhaps when you look to all the other indictments, you realize they are the exact same. I'd like to introduce you all who are not familiar to the Gelman amnesia effect. This is a reference to this, uh, this very scenario. You read the news in the newspaper, and let's say you're a real estate developer or a business mogul like Kevin O'Leary. I don't know if he's a real, I think he's a real estate developer too, or, or he's an investor. I don't know what he does. And he reads a story and it says, Trump defrauded, here's how. You go, wait, 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 what? That's not true. What, what is this garbage? These people are making stuff up. This makes no sense. You then turn the page and it says war in Syria. And you go, wow, I didn't know that. As if you have amnesia and forgot that the story you just read for which you are the expert was wrong. And that's the reality of news media. How could a journalist possibly understand the esoteric nature of any subculture or industry? I remember I went to the X Games. How this third, 20 years ago. No, yeah, like 19, 18 years ago. And a friend of mine did a trick called a backside lip slide. Okay, that's what it's called. Backside is a reference to the direction you spin. And a lip slide is a trick. The newspaper wrote she did a backslide and we all laughed. Now, to your average person who reads that, they are going to read about a woman who did a backslide. That's not a, not a thing. Not a, not a trick. <laughs> like maybe as a joke or whatever, it's but not a trick. So when I read the newspaper, I see that and I laugh. I know it's wrong. But I've long known that the media was full of it. To the average person, they don't. My point is this. For Kevin O'Leary to see this and go, this is nonsense. I know he's got other indictments, though. Bro, they're all nonsense. Are you kidding? 30 years ago at the Bergdorf, Trump walked into a building where he owned the hotel across the street asked a woman to go into a dressing room that was for some reason unlocked when they're supposed to be locked. No one noticed. No one was there. She can't remember what year it happened. The dress she was allegedly wearing didn't even exist at the time. I still have the dress, she said. And then people looked up like that dress didn't exist. It wasn't made then. And then Trump apparently engaged in untoward activities to which the court ruled, no, he didn't, but still held him liable anyway. Remarkable, isn't it? Maybe then you can look at it and say, hmm. All of this seems to make no sense. On top of that, you have now with Fannie Willis. Apparently, she was funneling. She's accused of funneling money from the government to her boyfriend to pay for lavish vacations. Don't worry, though. She claims she paid it all back in cash. She had lying around. That's right. Up to nine thousand dollars in cash just lying around. OK, I mean, maybe, I guess, but I don't believe it. And here we are today. Kathy Hochul tells businesses not to fear about Trump verdict. Nothing to worry about. Are you nuts? If you are a business, I can only tell you, you have to be insane to operate in New York. I mean, look, it was bad enough what we saw in 2020 with the COVID lockdowns, selective enforcement of shutting down businesses, unconstitutional orders, shutting down churches. Maybe it's what they want. Or maybe it's just dominoes falling over. I don't know. Perhaps it is just dominoes falling over one at a time. As the ideological capture happens, the regime expands their power. There is no resistance. And this is the direction things go. Now, certainly you can argue that there are people who want something like this to happen. And I say, yes, perhaps. But I don't know for sure. What I mean is. You get hyperpolarization. 
you get bifurcation of media with uh, decentralized information and, and the creation of factions. Certain factions are more likely to win than others. Democrats run on demonizing Republicans in order to win power. This ex- once this starts, and it didn't start with Trump, it started before Trump, it expands precipitously as more and more people are indoctrinated to one side or the other. Eventually, one regime has full control, like in New York or California. It's not so much that they intentionally expand their power. What I mean is they're not sitting there going like, how can we become more powerful? They're thinking, we got to get this guy because it'll help us win. So they do. You had Letitia James campaigned on I'll go after Trump because it's a popular ideological position. It works for her. She then goes after Trump. This results in more conservative leaning individuals and Trump supporters to flee the city and the state. They do which solidifies the ease at which these psychopathic politicians earn, uh, earn, I shouldn't say earn, but take those votes. Eventually, you get one party rule. The fascinating thing is people talk about how we could become like North Korea. We are. North Korea is not very big. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me do this. North Korea population. Let's try this. 25.97 million. Okay. North Korea area square miles. It is 46,541 square miles. Now let's do New York state population, which I think is comparable. A little bit less, 19.84 million and New York state square miles. Let's do that. 54,556. Fairly comparable, right? It's a little bit bigger in landmass, 20 percent, 20 some odd percent less in uh, population size but it's one party rule. It's not like like they're not going to gulag you because, you know, in New York state, you can always just leave. And people are, and people are, but as they do, you will get a homogenous cult. You are going to get either people who are like, well, I don't like it, but I'll choose to live here and fund it through my tax dollars and through my, my expenses and all that stuff. But then you'll also get people who are just like, I love machine. And they're happy to watch all of this stuff happen. Well, I can tell you this. The benefit of the system we have right now is that you're going to get people who will not invest in New York. I just love the idea. If you're a bank, would you ever finance a loan in New York City ever again? You would have to be the stupidest bank on the planet. When the state says the business practice you engage in, look, there's no damages. There's no victims. Trump, my understanding is he has to pay the state. Let me, I, I want to make sure I get this one right because I'm pretty sure, but I don't have that story pulled up. I'm pretty sure it's a fine. Who is he, who is he supposed to be paying? No one is above the law. Politico. Let's make sure we get all the details correct here. Combined with a 5 million penalty, I'm pretty sure it's to the state. A civil fraud trial, 354.8 million Friday, barred him from running a business. The verdict in the ruling. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no victims. He has poor, he's got to pay E. Jean Carroll in another case, but yeah. So you're a bank. There's no victims. Victims, not you. You finance a building. The state could seize Trump's buildings or at least his interests in those buildings. And then you as a bank are now in the, in, in business with the government. Look, man, West Virginia is calling. We got a lot of, a lot of property. It's, not super expensive. There's a lot of people fleeing New York. I say, let's build up West Virginia. Go to TimCast.com. Become a member. Why? We got this event coming up March 5th. 
That's right. March 5th, live in Martinsburg, West Virginia. We're going to be building anti-Times Square. Maybe in 10 years, there will be a hustling and bustling downtown strip in Martinsburg. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. That's the plan. It's very difficult, but we're working on it. We're getting there. We're, we're getting there. We're going we're gonna to not play these dirty games. And so the people who are fleeing New York, they can come on down. You're, you're a bank. You're an investor. Come on down to West Virginia. We're going to start building up the panhandle. We're going to start working towards building up uh, Appalachia. It's mountainous. It's a challenge. You know, I get it. I get it. But we're here. And New York's not the place for business. New York is the place where you, you give a loan to somebody. Even if everything's normal, the government could seize it, take it away or destroy the business. I mean, look what they're doing to the Trump organization. You know, the Trump organization's got creditors and they owe money to a lot of people. Imagine being someone who went into business with the Trump right now and you're going, what is happening? Well, assuming you're not a moron, you're also realizing it wasn't Trump. Trump made you money. Trump did everything right. No, it's the state. You go into business in New York and someone pisses off the government, they will destroy your, your business deal. Not interested, my friends. That sounds like a terrible prospect. And this is why Kathy Hochul saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, because they're worried about it. It's truly fascinating to see all of this break down. I don't know exactly how they think they can continue to operate, but here's one, here's one possibility. You've got this video where this uh, this hotel, what is it? They show they show the name of it. This is the Roe Hotel. 1,331 rooms. The government is paying for all of it. I wonder. Federal government? It's migrants that are inside of it. They shut the hotel down to the public. It's a luxury hotel. This is your future. You will be a serf and a slave. You must divest from New York to the best of your abilities. To the best of your abilities, and um, I know it's not—it's the easiest thing for everybody, but the risk of operating in New York is too great right now. So I'm going to say this right now. I understand it is not so easy to just do. I get it. But this is a serious impact on everybody. And so I hope you all understand. Um, Cast Brew Coffee, our distributor is New York-based. And we chose this distributor because they are uh, politically, they, they, they're in a, a moderate area. I suppose then I should pose the question to all of you, and that is, do we seek to relocate, find a new uh, supplier, which could, I mean, basically changes all of the products we've already formulated and created? Or do we stay and fight? 
right? We're not taking loans on anything. It's just a business in uh, slightly north uh, in, in New York, and they're really, really great. And I would say politically they're on our side. But it's a challenge, isn't it? I have a lot of people who tell me, you know, when I say, like, get out of the cities, they say, no, abandoning them expedites the corruption and, and, and the collapse. OK, fair point. Maybe the issue is then don't give out loans in real estate, but find other ways to push back. The government could seize your assets. I don't know. A lot of people tell me you should get out. You shouldn't do business. Put your money where your mouth is. OK, done. I'm willing to do it. Then I get yelled at because people are like, don't abandon it. We need to support businesses that are pushing back and provide resistance. That's a challenge, isn't it? You know, the people we do business with uh, for our, our coffee distribution, they're good people. Politically, uh, I would say on our side, very defensive and resistant to these forces. What do we do? What do we do? I don't think abandoning them is the right thing. It's tough, isn't it? I do think perhaps in the future we have to just build our own roaster or something like that and build it in West Virginia. But I, I do want to be reasonable because if people think it's the appropriate thing to do, we will immediately switch off. We will find a new distributor. I also fear just abandoning our current distributor is not the best course of action, especially when they are pushing back against cancel culture. But it's a reality. And so you can comment. Let me know what you think. I don't think there's any easy answers to any of this. What I can tell you is New York is deeply corrupt and the, the, the ruling against Trump should be a red flag to anybody doing business there. And I, man, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have any good answers because my, my personal preference, of course, is always just shut it down, right? But I don't know. You guys tell me, you guys tell me and, uh, and we'll figure it out. I mean, Casper has been extremely successful and the, like the, we, we chose this, uh, uh, this operator out of, out of New York, this uh, distributor, specifically because they are moderate leaning resistance essentially to the political regime in New York. I shouldn't say it like that, but I mean, like I took a look at the areas. There were a bunch of other, uh, and you know, and I was like, these guys are like moderate and they, they don't like cancel culture and they, they, they they defend their clients. They're good people. I don't want to let them down. They're good people. I guess these are the, the difficult questions we have to we have to figure out with what New York is doing. Suffice to say, it may just be a major impact to everybody. If truckers stop delivering to New York, then it won't matter. How will we actually produce and deliver our coffee if that's the case? Man, I don't know. I don't know. It's not so easy, is it? Right. For me personally, we divested and we moved and we did it again. We were in the, I was in the New York area. I said, I'm out. This is nuts. The riots were crazy. The violence was crazy. I went to Jersey. I said, Jersey's crazy. Went to South Jersey. I said, this is crazy too. After COVID, I'm like, I can't, I can't keep supporting these, you know, these, these, these states. I made the mistake of going, uh, we went to the, uh, the tri-state here in uh, Western Maryland. And, uh, while the county is great, they want us to secede and join West Virginia. Doubt that'll happen, but they want to, three counties do. I made the mistake of setting up in, in Maryland, didn't understand. I was naive and I made a mistake. But now we are soon to relocate 100% of operations into West Virginia. We've relocated a large portion of our operations already into West Virginia, but we've been waiting on construction for the new studio to complete. And it is now done. The only thing we're waiting on is the skate park. And there's knickknacks like 
you know, uh, putting a table in the in the in the kitchen area and and putting up the TV on the wall. Yeah, 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 that stuff takes like an hour. Like we could, but you know, we're waiting for the skate park construction so the full facility will be done, and then we're West Virginia one hundred percent. And then we are building uh, a building out production in Martinsburg, West Virginia. We've got big calls and big plans. We are working on expansion uh, for Cast Brew. It's all in the works. I can't say too much more. But the uh, the expansion for multiple locations. We are planning all of that. And I would say we're doing the best we can. Far from perfect, but the best we can. I think we just have to we just have to just do it right. Start focusing on the parallel economy, which we've been doing, and it's been successful. I think. We may not need to react to uh, uh, rashly right now with New York because it seems like Kathy Hochul and the New York state government has just set themselves on fire. This ruling could be a massive detriment to development in the state, which will it'll turn New York into a low income state from the richest to the poorest. If people start shutting down real estate development and they're trying to cram illegal immigrants in there and people are fleeing. What's their industry going to be? Nothing. They'll have nobody to tax. It's going to turn into what New York was in the late 70s and the 80s. A lot of crime, buildings falling apart. Trump is credited with, in many ways, helping save the city. Not just Trump, but Giuliani and many others. Trump brought back luxury. So be it. New York, you reap what you sow. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. There's a video making its rounds on X, formerly known as Twitter, showing a female basketball team playing against another female basketball team that also has a six foot tall male player on it. The male player fights for the basketball with a young female and throws her, injuring her. The story is now that that team forfeited at halftime. Why? Well, they insist it has nothing to do with the trans player being on the team. And to that point, they said, we've played against this team before earlier in the year. So we knew exactly what was going on. It's not an issue. That being said, they said the real reason was that too many of their girls had gotten injured and the rest of the girls had expressed concerns that they too could be injured. So they forfeited the match. Now, tell me why these young women at this charter school would fear injury in a basketball game. If you are playing sports, you might get injured. We know that. But what was so unique about this game where several of the remaining girls, and I think all of them, expressed concern about getting injured at this game? I don't, don't you have the same degree of injury for any other game? Now, it could be, to be fair, that they said, we expect to get injured, but if any more of us get injured, we're basically out. And so the argument they made is that too many girls got injured in this game. They didn't care that there's a trans player on the other team, a male player, and that the playoffs coming up. So they could not afford any more injuries because they need a full roster for the playoffs. Whatever. Well, now, of course, it's sparking a, a lot of controversy. There have been death threats. I mean, it's getting absolutely crazy. I want to show you this video. And now I, I know that YouTube typically frowns upon uh, they, they frown upon violence. But this is, this is a sporting event. So my statement to, to YouTube is this video should be fully monetized as this is a standard, fair and fine sporting event between equals. And in any sporting event, there are people who slip and fall. And I mean, look, we can show clips from UFC. You don't get demonetized. And there's blood everywhere. Here's my point. I'm fairly certain 
they will actually demonetize this video because it depicts a six foot tall male battering a young woman. I know, I know, battering's a bit hyperbolic. Grabbing and throwing the young woman to the floor, injuring her. Let me play you uh, this clip here, and I will read you. This is a tweet from Sidewalk Steve. He says, remind me, how does letting a confused boy compete against girls develop his character? Lowell College at Charter School versus Kip Academy Lynn. Here is the video. For those that are just listening, I will describe it. It, it just depicts, I mean, you can hear some... Uh, there you go. That's that's about it. There is a young woman on the floor now, and she appears to be unable to get up. She's rolling. She's ex- you can see ex- distress in her face that she's holding her back and she can't stand up. And they rush over to try and help her. Another injury. I don't know uh, uh, if this was the first, second or third. Apparently, they suffered three injuries in this game. And as you can see, it starts when the six foot tall male uh, apparently, reportedly a facial, facial hair, grabs the ball, swings her around and throws her. It looks like she may have actually hit her head, but she's holding her back, unable to get up when they crowd around and uh, make attempts to try and help her. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's what I want to say. All right, we have this story from ItemLive.com. Gender identity in play on KIPP basketball team. I will not, will not defend women who choose to compete against men and complain about it later. Now, these girls aren't complaining about it, so I got no beef. I know there are a lot of women who do. Riley Gaines has raised the concern numerous times. Taylor Silverman, of course, who works here, has raised the concern about competing against males on these teams. Now, in swimming, you're not making physical contact with the guy. In skateboarding, you're not making physical contact with the guy. I can understand them speaking out, speaking up, and they're not even at risk of being physically injured. But if you if you speak out and say, hey, this is not OK, I got your back. Now, that being said, if you like if, if there's a woman and she says, I think it's wrong that they have a man in this boxing match, but I'm going to fight him anyway. I'd be like, OK, you chose to do it. You know what I mean? Like if a woman wants to prove herself or compete against a male, like I got no problem with that. Like women can make that choice. The issue with um, the issue with Fallon Fox, this was the trans MMA fighters fighting women, is that the women did not know they were fighting against a male. Now, for these female basketball, this basketball team, they know there's a male on the team and they entered it anyway. In fact, not only will I not defend them, I have disdain for them. I, I, I find I, I find it funny. This this young woman fell down and hurt herself. I and mean, she's not crippled or injured or anything. She's gonna get up, she's gonna go play again tomorrow. It's not a big deal. Maybe got a bruise or something. But like, I'm not gonna have any sympathy. And I'm not even mad. I'm like, look, you wanna play sports? Play sports. You forfeit the game, you forfeit the game. You chose to enter this. They could have stood up and said, We're not getting involved. Nah, they wanna play this game. Then play it. I'm not gonna defend you unless look, God helps those who help themselves. If they're into this, what am I complaining about? I try to tell, I, I've been saying this over and over again to a lot of the conservatives who are like, this is wrong. And I'm like, dude, 
if 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 all of the players and the and the coach are like, we're fine with this. Who are you defending? There's no victim. The girl got hurt. So what? I, you know, I fell down. You know, snowboarding the other day. I, whoa, 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 you're gonna cry about it? I'm gonna complain. It's not fair. I mean, the mountain wasn't. No, I mean, you fall. It happens. I went snowboarding. We got a lot of snow over the weekend. It was good fun. A woman says, I want to play basketball with a six foot tall guy. I'm like, all right, good luck. She falls down and gets hurt. I'll beg, well, you know, that them's the breaks. You chose to do it. You knew the risks. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna we're not gonna cry about it. So here's what ends up happening. According to the handbook, they're supposed to have, you know, if they're gender identity, they're allowed. So uh the team ended up forfeiting the game. When asked if Kip's player had anything to do with the premature departure, college at Charter School of Lowell. Uh, said they were aware of the situation going into the game. Quote, no. And Coach Ortens knew in going into the game already because we had we had them at home the first game of the year and nothing happened then. So he knew going into the game. In that game on December 12th, Kip defeated College at Charter School 36-29. Pelksar, so he's the athletic director, uh, had his own reasons, uh, said Ortens had his own reasons for leaving. Quote, so he felt that his girls were getting injured basically all game. He has a playoff game on Monday. So he didn't want to have any more of his girls go down. Kip Athletic Director Anthony Grimaldi declined to answer questions on the school believes the player was the reason for the forfeit. Kip does not wish to make a comment at this time as to why the other team forfeited the game. We are looking forward to our next game. You think I'm going to defend any of these people? No, they're all scumbags. Okay, Kip, these guys, they know what they're doing. Come on. They make it a specific point in like the rules. You can't do this for advantage. Spare me. Now, listen, not okay. Look, Kip gender issue forces cancellations. Apparently, there were death threats being called in. I mean, come on, man. That is wholly inappropriate. I like to mock and deride and let them do whatever they want. It's a free country. You can choose to do what you want to do. These girls don't got to play the game. And then you argue, but yet, then there's no sporting league for them. Make one. You know, do do what you got to do. We're we're going to be setting up a series of contests. We've been talking about this for a year, but the boonies is under construction. It's under skate venture, skateboarding venture. We're going to do contests, and we're going to have a male division and a female division. There's no discrimination there. If someone signs up as a male or female, you can choose where you want to go. You know, which one, which one are you? And if there is someone who is transgender, well, we're not doing men's and women's. We're doing male and female divisions. So if you're a trans woman, you go in a male division, and good luck to you. You compete against the males and the female against females. We're not doing any gender testing or anything like that. Testosterone testing? Nah, none of that. You compete the way you want it, you know, you choose, you choose. And, uh, and, and we'll navigate this, but we're going to do our own contest series. That's how we'll do it. This is inappropriate to call in death threats. That, sh- that shouldn't be. I think there should be lawsuits. I think there should be challenges to this. I think if the girls got injured, they should be suing. Now, I want to pull up this right here. This is a, a, a bit from Jeff Dye. He's hilarious, but he is wrong. He has this clip where he says sports is the only place we'll never see a diversity initiative. And I, I get the point he's making, but he is entirely wrong. Let me let me play the clip for you. I believe the audio is on. Let's go. Like sports is the only place you'll never see like a diversity push. Like there's nobody in the NBA front office is looking at the numbers going, ah, that's a lot of black guys. <laughs> Seems like it's dominantly black guys. That's how you get a black guy to hate diversity. Just put five white guys per NBA team. I'm going to pause right there. Again, Jeff's a funny guy. He has a really funny bit where he's like, what do you say? I can't say I'm a Trump supporter just because I voted for him twice and think he's really cool. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. That's really funny. Uh, but Jeff, I get the joke. I get the joke. The problem is 
you're, it's just, it's, it, the premise is wrong. It's funny. It's like, ha diversity will never come to basketball because they're mostly black. Yet diversity didn't come to Black Panther. Okay. Either of them. They were a dominant, a predominantly black cast. And, you know, it's fine. It's a, it's a movie about Africa. I'm not crying about it. But they called it diversity. Okay. This is like, I get the joke. No one's going to want Asia, like short Asians playing on a basketball team, unless, of course, they have the abilities, which is going to be not as often. But you do have a small handful. It happens, but it is mostly taller black men. Here's the thing. Black Panther does a predominantly black cast. They called it a diversity film. Okay, so the NBA already is diverse, according to the woke cult, by being almost non-white, completely non-white. It is diverse. And more importantly, absolutely diversity has come to sports. I'm showing you the segment. They're putting males in female sports. There's not enough men. The reality is diversity is just about stealing power while pretending to be a good person. That's what they're saying. Diversity would come to the NBA in two seconds if it would give them an unfair advantage. But there's not much you can do, so it won't. But in women's sports, if you can add a six foot tall guy to your team, they'll call it whatever they want so they can win. LeBron's dribbling down. The white guy's like, I'm open. He's like, I know, mother. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that you're always open, Eric? These goddamn diversity hires, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I saw this and I was like, you know, I've been I've, I've been saying this for some time that sports absolutely will come to the NBA, to the NFL, to the NHL, to all of it, because the rules are arbitrary. That being said, I think we're winning. So maybe we will prevent something like that from happening. I think the first thing you'll start seeing is what we're seeing with these women competing against males in women's sporting leagues and getting injured. If we don't push back there, which we are, and again, I think we're winning. What ends up happening is if the woke cult wins and they've got their, they've got their, their, their gains and their advantages, but I do think they're losing substantially. What will end up happening is eventually you will get someone to say, look, Mark Cuban, you believe in diversity, equity, and inclusivity. How come your team's mostly black men? I mean, for real though, come on. You mean to tell me there's not a single tall Asian who can play basketball? Dude, get out of here. You know what's going on. They don't want to actually hinder their team's ability to win. But if the pressure mounted, it'd come to the point where they'd say, look, the rules are arbitrary. We make them up. We can make the rules whatever we want. So you could make it so the NBA has to be half men, half women, and one of each race. Why not? Are we just here to see the tallest, best at basketball? Or are we here to say to see... The, the rules as we decide them, right? What's the regulation height of a basketball hoop? That was arbitrary. Why don't we make it taller? No, for real, I want to make it taller. You know, basketball didn't used to be dominated by tall people. But of course, if they're like, you're tall, you're going to be better at the game. Why? Because we arbitrarily set a height of the, of the basketball hoop. Okay, well, let's raise it up five feet. Why not? There you go. How about the basketball hoop needs to be on average at a, at a height relative to the height of all averaged players. There you go. It must be 40% or whatever number you want to do. Uh, because it wouldn't be as fun. You want to see dunks. You want to see a 360 dunk. You want to see those moves. Okay, well, in the future, they may just arbitrarily decide. Teams must be half women and must be rac racially diverse. Why not? We made up the rules. These are the rules we'll make. So yeah, diversity has already come to sports. We're seeing it all over the place. When we're looking at skateboarding, 
We're looking at professional level skateboarding. These contests are, look, so Taylor Silverman lost several contests. She would have won to a male skateboarder. Uh-huh. There's no question. You watch a dude skate and he's going to be substantially better than the best females in the world. As much as they want to whinge about it and they want to cry and complain. Oh, yeah. All these woke skateboarders are angry that we're launching a multi-million dollar skate brand and skateboards and all that stuff. Look, it's it's you know, I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this, but I am going to be 38 in three weeks. And I would say if you were to average out all around ability, I am a better skateboarder at 38, mostly retired than your best female skateboarders. I'm not saying that to be mean. I am not trying to insult or deride them. It's just it's it's fairly wild. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. I can nolly hard flip late flip. I can I can nolly flip crooked grind. Granted, like semi-retired, meaning I, I'm not doing well, you know, I'm still I'm still skating. I'm just not trying to break myself like I used to when I was younger. But man, I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, watching the X games and seeing the best female skaters in the world. And I'm like, it's good. They're good for women. But that's not a bad, like, you're, you're, we know that females are not at the same degree of physical capabilities, reaction time, muscle mass, fast twitch muscle, bone density, college, skin collagen, et cetera. And so guys are, are, are built different. Now I will tell you this. I could not hold a candle to a 12 year old boy competing in the X Games. I think he's 13 now. Jinwoo, this kid, did a kickflip frontside blood slide big spin out on, a, on the handrail. Holy crap. If I was in competition shape, like if I was like, okay, let's let's compete. I mean, maybe I'd frontside feeble or uh, front smith 180, <laughs> fairly basic lip slide, um, backside back. No, I don't know about a backside smith. I, I think I'm too old at this point. I'm just uh, back feeble shove. And if I was really going to go crazy, backside feeble uh, frontside Bigsman. These are all meaningless terms to you, for most of you. I know, I know, I know. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But like the best female skateboarders are doing like a backside Smith, which is a basic trick. It's like a, you, you, you it's one of the, you learn how to grind. You jump up on, you, you jump up with the board and slide across a, an, an object. And that is a regular trick. It's just like, it's good. So it's one of the better ones, I guess. Some people are better than at that than others. But this is the reality of the difference between men's and, and, and women's sports. You, you, you take your average guy who skates and he is better than some of the best females. Now, that being said, that being said, Leticia Buffoni is better than 99% of male skateboarders. No question. No question. If you look at the charts for um, grip strength, I think grip strength really breaks down the, the the skill gap in general in sports in a really interesting way. Actually, let me let me see if I can pull this up as a reference. Because uh, uh, you know when I looked when I looked at it, I was like, that's really interesting because it's uh, 
it it reminds me of of skill in general in skateboarding. So this is the difference between um, males and females in terms of grip strength. The average male. So this is really, really crazy. Um, So before, you know, like from zero until maybe like 10 years old, you can see the grip strength is increasing for males and females, and it's completely comparable, completely. And then something happens around what looks like 15, 16. You can see that the average grip strength around 15 years old, it becomes divergent. Yeah, it's called puberty. Girls stop around 50 kilograms grip strength and average out, whereas males go double, double. Now, take a look at this. This means on average, the average male has stronger grip strength than the strongest female right here. So we're looking at like peak capabilities, which is 24. Makes sense, right? Actually, it looks like, you know, 24 to 28. You have if you so I'll I'll describe it for people who are just listening, but those that are looking or watching, you can see the green circles are individuals and their grip strength age in years. So around 30 years old, the strongest women appear to be just barely breaching just shy of 100 kilograms, whereas the average male is there. That makes sense to me. And so, again, I say there's no disrespect. Like, I'm a big fan. Leticia Pavoni is a fantastic skateboarder. Leticia Pavoni is better than your average, the majority of the skateboarders. But you know, it's tough. Ugh. I don't think Leticia Buffoni could compete against any male in, in any male competition. Anyone. You set up a local contest at your local park. Leticia Buffoni will be just about on par with the, the local athletes. Now, now, here's what I mean. The majority of skateboarders are not good at skateboarding. They ride their board around. And so that means Leticia Buffoni is better than 99% of them. Now, let's separate all the average run-of-the-mill skate sometimes kind of skaters and go into the core group of athletes who consider themselves to be athletes. Leticia Buffoni is, if you were to rank all uh, athletes, uh, like every male-sponsored skater, Leticia Buffoni would be on par with like a local 14-year-old boy who is who receives free product. I'm not saying that to be mean. I think she's great. Men and women are different. And she is the best. Although she's the best anymore. I mean, there's a lot of up and comers who are doing really, really well. But you get my point. This is where we're currently at. This idea that you can take a male who on average is stronger than the best female. And, 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 and look at this. Let's say you cut a male's grip strength in half. On average, he's still going to be at or above the, the female competition. Bigger hands, more grip strength. I mean, uh, Rogan talked about this 12 years ago. So look, no beef. I ain't trying to be mean to anybody. But there's a reality. That's the reality. So that being said, man, you know, there's a reason why when, you know, I, I'm just going to say this too. For whatever reason, there's a reason why, and we know it from the science, if you watch a sporting event, you typically don't see a lot of women. When, you, when you're looking at the highest level of a sporting event, it's guys. And uh, it is what it is. 
And then when you, uh, uh, well, surprising to me is, so I do a lot of things, right? I uh, skate, I play music, uh, play poker, and uh, was snowboarding just and skiing for the first time. That was fun. I was, uh, in so, you know, you know, uh, I'm better at snowboarding. I've been doing it for a long time, on and off, like not a lot, but and because I skateboard. But when I started skiing, I feel like I'll be better. I think it'll be easier for me to ski once I figure it out, and I'm starting to get it. But uh, I totally forgot where I was going with 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 my, with, with that point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, poker. This is the crazy thing to me. Men are better than better and better than women at poker. Why? Honest question. You know, why is that? Why are men better at poker? I don't know. Why are there more? Uh, why are men better uh, than women at chess? That one shouldn't make sense, right? Don't ask me. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell you. I'm just saying. Statistically, when you look at the numbers, men are better, higher ranking at even chess. And chess is not a physical sport; it's a mental game. And then you have um, uh, in poker. You have, it's a, it's a, it's a, they say poker is a people game played with cards. And so you really got to understand the person you're up against. The cards often don't matter. I love these, these pros who are like trying to figure out what a person has in their hand. Like what cards could they have in this game? It's like, what kind of person is it? You got to know the person. They say, uh, there are tendencies, you know, women in poker tend to call men tend to raise, which is really simple. Men take more risks. Perhaps it all just comes down to the um, male greater variability hypothesis. There may be more men that are better at these games, but there are certainly more men that are worse at them too. They just don't play. And so women tend to be more towards the middle. I don't know. I don't. I can certainly just tell you it is silly that men are competing against women. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. We are currently in a constitutional crisis for a variety of reasons, but mainly because there are many jurisdictions that are trying to make it so that non-citizens can vote. New York is currently caught up in the courts over this, but Maryland and California have jurisdictions that are trying to make it or have made it legal for non-citizens to vote in certain elections. And now we have this immigrant from Hong Kong becomes first non-U.S. citizen appointed to San Francisco Election Commission. Yo, This lady moved here in 2019, and she is now, five years later, serving on an election commission. This is a constitutional crisis. It is a question of who is entitled to these rights and protections. Now, the Bill of Rights applies to all people, not just citizens. But who has the privilege of running this system? Who has the responsibility? Well, you've got to be a citizen. At least that's what we argue. The left argues otherwise. This country cannot go on in this way. It will either rip itself apart in bloody conflict or there will be some kind of resolution to the questions that are being asked right now. With the mass flooding of the southern border and now this. The United States is in serious trouble. I do think we're winning and I say this a lot. I mean, for the simple fact that conservatives have kids and liberals don't or liberals are more likely to abort their kids or sterilize them. The future is just heading in the direction of conservatism. But we'll see. Fox News reports a woman who doesn't have the legal the ability to legally vote in the U.S. was sworn into San Francisco's Election Commission on Wednesday. Northern California public news site KQED reported Thursday that Hong Kong immigrant Kelly Wong is believed to be the first non-citizen appointed to the commission. 
after San Francisco passed a measure in 2020 removing citizenship requirement to serve on city boards, commissions, and advisory bodies. Wong, an immigrant rights advocate who came to the U.S. from Hong Kong in 2019 to pursue a graduate degree, was sworn in at a ceremony in San Francisco City Hall. Amazing. Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin conducted the ceremony while dozens of people gathered to commemorate the occasion, the outlet reported. Wong was unanimously voted in by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. She spoke to KQED about overcoming the doubt she had to achieve the position. There are always voices in my head like, you can't do it. You're not competent. You're an immigrant. This is not your country. That's not true. If I can do it, you can do it too. Okay, uh, it's not your country. That's not a mean thing to say. It's a statement of fact. It's not your country. But here we are. Peskin had high praise for Wong, especially her ability to engage and enfranchise people and help non-citizens become citizens. I'm very impressed by her commitment to enfranchising people who rarely vote, to educating people about the voting process, and to bring in non-citizens and get them the tools they need as they become citizens. Well, certainly, if the argument was to help them become citizens, Certainly, if the argument was someone who was an immigrant and became a citizen, was naturalized, is assisting in this way. But quite literally, for someone who is not a citizen to be serving on these boards is insane. There needs to be a Supreme Court ruling, and it needs to happen ASAP, making it, what, what's the right word? Not illegal, but, um, you know, barring the practice of non-citizens serving in governmental positions. I mean, this is crazy. Non-citizens can serve in government? in positions of authority over citizens? That makes no sense. I'm very impressed by her commitment to enfranchising people who rarely vote, to educating people about the voting process, and to bring in non-citizens to get them the tools they need. Right. People who rarely vote. Are you saying that non-citizens vote, but rarely? Sure. I don't think so, but maybe. In the interview with the outlet prior to her swearing in, Wong talked about the importance of getting immigrants, especially those who can't speak English, informed about the voting process. I've seen how language and cultural barriers prevent immigrants with limited English proficiency from fully exercising their right to vote. What? 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 Are you talking about naturalized citizens? Is there a way to do voter outreach that is not just about translation, but can touch on political education while maintaining neutrality and impartiality in our elections? Dude, so she's going to be meeting with people under the fairest assessment who are citizens who went through that process and she's supposed to be the expert here, but they have more experience than she does. They got naturalized. No, the reality is you see where they're going this with this. They want people who are not citizens voting in our elections. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. She mentioned her own struggles as a foreigner with navigating voting systems, allowing her to empathize with those she wants to help. Why would someone who's not a citizen be voting in our country anywhere for any reason? Unless, of course, it was a private organization. Even though I'm fluent in English, I still encounter challenges in navigating a new system, let alone participating in political conversation and activities. Wong commented how she discovered that there isn't an equivalent term for the word reparations in Cantonese or Mandarin. Really? <laughs> That's kind of funny. 
One Cantonese speaking Chinese immigrant in the city told the outlet through an interpreter, whenever I experience a language barrier or difficulties around access, I can come to Kelly for help. San Francisco Election Commission President Robin Stone recently told Fox News Digital, I support the Board of Supervisors authority and decision to appoint Kelly Wong to the Elections Commission. What's more, as public officers of the city, we respect the law and will of San Francisco voters who removed the citizenship requirement for commissioners in 2020. Y'all ready for what comes next? Let's have a conversation with a Civil War historian and a California secessionists, secessionist this past Friday on the Culture War podcast. Check it out and subscribe to Tenant Media. It's Friday mornings at 10 a.m. We have uh, various, in- it's, a, it's an interview show. It's less news topical. And uh, I said, I believe, you know, if we are heading to civil war, you know, I love saying it. I wonder what the catalyst could be. And for a while, I thought maybe immigration, maybe child sex changes. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Abortion seemed to be the uh, big issue because it's a moral outrage over whether uh, 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 questioning when someone has personhood rights under the Constitution. Democrats argue you're not even alive until sometime after you're born, so you don't have any rights. Conservatives argue you're alive if you were concepted, conceived, right? If you if you were conceived, there you go. That's the right word. However, I think it may be immigration. Because this is the question that Democrats are posing. The historian uh, we had on, Jeff, he, he mentioned that, um, I think Mayhew, am I getting his name wrong? I want I wanted to be uh, careful here, but I think I got it right. He was mentioning, uh, yeah, that, 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 yeah, right, right. Okay, I got it right. I want to make sure I got your name right, Jeff, because I would be uh, Jeff Mayhew. He was saying that the Southern states were empowering themselves in Congress using slaves. Basically, these people were not, didn't have the, the ability to vote. So the three-fifths compromise was the South wanted them to vote so they'd have more representation. They argued that they should get congressional seats based on the slaves they had. Now, very few people had slaves, but it was still a few million, I think three million at its peak. So they were giving themselves extra congressional seats and then voting on it. Today, the Democrats are doing that with immigrants. That's right. They bring in non-citizens, count them towards the census, and then give themselves extra congressional seats. The end result of this could be at the end of whatever is coming, the argument and the question comes up as to whether or not immigrants are citizens or, or whether or not they have full rights in this country the moment they step foot. The Democrats will make the argument. They have free speech, right? They have, we, already, we already believe that the Bill of Rights applies to them. You can't illegally search and seize, etc. Okay, why can't they vote then? Well, when this all first started, this great nation, Voting was supposed to be that you were a landowner. Why? It's not because it was about rich people. It was about who lived here. Do you live here? Do you work here? Okay, then you can vote in what we do. If you don't, then, then you can't. Why should some strange person who doesn't live here vote on how we live? And we changed all of that. And it makes sense for a variety of reasons. People became renters instead of owners. And then you have people participating in politics who rent and aren't owners. But then you start to get the severance. People who are not tied to the community voting on issues that affect it. This is the natural path. Democrats creating a future where people who are not citizens vote. It is the natural direction of where this is going. So if there is a civil war, I wonder if where we ultimately end up is. If the Democrats win, they will say the borders are open. 
And simply by standing here and saying you want to vote, you can. America becomes the global empire, no longer a country. It becomes the government of the planet. Anyone here is a citizen, a global citizen. And it seems like that's what they're trying to do. When that happens, the things that your father and your mother and your grandfather and your grandmother, the things that your ancestors built, they will be handed down to no one. You will have nothing. You will eat the bugs and you will live in the pod. And then one by one, the same thing will affect the rest of the world. As more and more people want to be a part of whatever this system is, imagine the United States become a, becomes a borderless, stateless place. Simply the global empire. Anybody need walk in and declare it and you're a citizen. Okay, we're already seeing it. Gen Z can't afford to live, but they're giving luxury hotels to non-citizens. This is the process. That's the direction they want. Should we win this conflict? We secure our borders, retain the great policies and plans and, and rights granted by the founding fathers, and we stop the destruction of this country. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Biden is headed for defeat in upcoming election, and Democrats have no plan to fix this problem, says Nate Silver. The reason why I absolutely love this story is that Nate Silver is completely wrong. The Democrats have a plan. It's called a shadow campaign. You just don't know what that plan is, Nate. You're looking at an aging, bewildered Joe Biden. You're looking at struggling poll numbers and thinking Democrats are doing nothing. They're walking into a train wreck. They have no plan. If you think the Democrats are doing nothing, I got a bridge to sell you. But this is the narrative right now. New York Post reports, famed pollster Nate Silver said President Joe Biden is headed for defeat this November due to his age and declining job performance. Biden is probably a below replacement level candidate at this point because Americans have a lot of extremely rational concerns with the prospect of a commander in chief who would be 86 years old by the end of a second term. It is entirely reasonable to see this as disqualifying. The Post has sought a comment from Biden's campaign. So here's Nate Silver's Substack. It's time for the White House to put up or shut up. Shielding Biden from public appearances might be a rational strategy, and that's why it's a bad sign. I have this to say, good sir. Shadow campaign. Nate is sitting there above the water. He's sitting on the beach. Looking down at the water, being like, I can't believe Democrats ain't doing nothing. There's all this delicious fish to be had. And I see Donald Trump over there casting his net. What he doesn't realize is that deep below the surface of that water are a couple of Democrats grenade fishing. <laughs> underwater. I don't know you could actually do that, so please don't. But I'm like making a joke. They're underwater. You can't see what they're doing, but they're doing something. The idea that they're just going to sit back. Let's take a look at 2020. We all mocked Joe Biden's basement campaign. We were like, do they really want to win this? It really did seem like they were just trying to lose the same argument being made right now. Joe Biden's not even campaigning. He wasn't even showing up. How could he possibly win? And then he did. I think it's funny because everyone's like, no, he didn't. Damn, no. Joe Biden is the president. What do you think winning means? This is the funny thing. Oh, you know, these, these Trump supporters, many of them are first time voters. It's true. This would be their second time voting in 2020. For real, Trump got a lot of first time voters. And I don't think they really understood the deep corruption of what an election is. So in their minds, Donald Trump really won the argument. They would be correct. I would agree with them. 
If for some reason Joe Biden got more votes, why? Because Democrats understand the game. Democrats don't care to convince people to vote. They convince them to vote. All right, let me, let me clarify. Democrats don't care to convince people to vote for policies or a candidate or issues. They need only to get them to vote. And of course, with universal mail-in voting, they make it very, very easy and hard to prove that they were the right, the right people. More importantly, if you get someone who says, yeah, sure, I vote, here you go, and they scribble something, it's like, there you go. Here's the civil rights. If you'd asked me a year ago, I would have told you that Joe Biden was a reasonably clear favorite in the event of a rematch against Donald Trump. Not an overwhelming favorite, but mind you, but perhaps 65 to 35. The case for Biden seemed obvious enough. Incumbents win re-elections more often than not. And of course, Biden beat Trump in 2020. The economy was beginning to recover from a period of intense inflation, blah, blah, blah. Democrats were coming off a relatively strong midterm, buoyed by, uh, buoyed by voter concerns about extreme and underqualified Republican candidates and Roe v. Wade, whatever. So I don't begrudge people who took their time to realize that Biden's re-election would be a heavy lift. The first time my internal needle began to shift was in late summer, when Biden's approval rating remained poor, even as the economy was improving. So here we go. Why does Nate Silver think Biden can't win? First, he says, what's gotten worse for Biden? First, the president's approval ratings do have some meaningful predictive power at the stage compared with a year ago. As with the general election matchup, all but locked in, Biden's head-to-head polls against Trump provide some meaningful signal too. So it's no longer safe to ignore that Biden has consistently trailed Trump in the polls, both nationally and more importantly in swing states, or that Biden's approval rating is just 39% and shows no sign of improvement well below the threshold that would ordinarily make a president a favorite for re-election. Second, to borrow the poker term, Biden no longer has as many outs, meaning contingencies that could improve his situation. Shout out to Nate Silver. I know he's actually a top poker player. I believe he was pro for a while. And um, let me explain this for those non-poker players. So basically, if someone is ahead, that means someone is, is going to win. Uh, let's do this. Everybody knows uh, ace pocket aces. You know, you got two aces. You got aces up your sleeve. You know that, right? Okay, that's the best starting hand. Your opponent has deuces, a pair of twos. The, uh, not the worst, but certainly not that great of, uh, of a hand. It, it, it has its plays. It's not the worst hand. Not very good, and it loses. If you took two people and you put them in front of each other and you gave one aces, two ace cards, and one person two cards that are valued two, and they flip them over, aces wins. That's called being ahead. Meaning if we conclude the game now, you win. What is an out? If we were to draw cards from the deck that you could use, the person with the two card, the, the two deuces in their hands would need another deuce to outrank the aces. Now, there's a couple other ways. There's a lot of other outs, but the idea being, what are your outs? How do you get out of this? Okay. You need a two. Then you have three of a kind and you beat the ace. But if the ace gets an ace, so out refers to circumstances in which Joe Biden can win. What could change right now that would put Joe Biden ahead of Donald Trump? Nothing. He no longer has many outs. I mean, maybe there's some. Trump gets beamed into outer space. I don't know. In the Republican nominating process, Trump is going to win all 50 states. He hasn't gotten bruised up or exposed to new fissures. His various criminal trials, perhaps predictably facing delays, and the Georgia one's a mess, fairly or not, because of an alleged improper romantic relationship. Hmm? Trump's favorability ratings have only improved in the economy. Well, it has gotten better, 
And both consumer and investor moods have turned more optimistic. I've argued there was never really a gap between economic reality and economic perception in the first place. But if there was, it's pretty much gone now. And yet Biden's standing has not improved. On balance, that ought to be a concerning fact for the White House. It implies that Biden's poor position is not the result of something fixable. Third, yes, it's become even clear that Biden's age is an enormous problem for him. As many as 86% of Americans say he's too old in one poll. Though numbers in the 70 to 75% range are more common, still an overwhelming majority of bitterly divided uh, in a bitterly divided country. There's also been recent bad news for Biden. A special counsel report characterized Biden as a well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. In response to the special, special counsel report, Biden conducted an impromptu press conference in which defending himself against allegations of memory loss, he confused the names of the leaders of Egypt and Mexico and was defiant with reporters in a way that, yes, the latter part is subjective. I doubt many impartial observers would say came across well. Biden also declined to do a Super Bowl interview that might have allayed public concerns, something that Obama did all eight years in office. Trump did three times and Biden did in 2021. The White House skipped the interview last year when the Super Bowl was carried by Fox, part of a general pattern of Biden avoiding Fox News. But with the game on CBS, there was no excuse. Personally, I crossed the Rubicon in November, concluding that Biden should stand down if he wasn't going to be able to run a normal reelection campaign, meaning things like conduct a Super Bowl interview. Yes, it's a huge risk. And yes, Biden can still win, but he's losing now and there's no plan to fix the problem. Other than hoping the polls are wrong and that voters look, look at the race differently when they have more, to uh, more time to focus on it. Neither is so implausible, and it is likely to be a close race. But even the most optimistic Democrats, if you read between the lines, are really arguing that Democrats could win despite Biden and not because of him. Biden is probably a below replacement level candidate at this point because Americans have a lot of extremely rational concerns about the prospect of a commander in chief who would be 86 years old. All right. Now, he goes on to bring up sample bias and a bunch of data. That's fine. That's fine. You should subscribe to natesilver.net in his Substack if you really want to read the great details. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is to put it simply for all of you. Uh, there's going to be a shadow campaign. It will not be so simple as Joe Biden walks into the campaign season. Everybody casts their ballots, pulls the lever, and then Donald Trump wins. You thought 2020 was crazy? You better believe 2024 is going to be crazy. We had concerns in the 2020 election that there could be violence at polling locations. Eh, it was some little bit here and there, like no, no real violence, but just, you know, altercations. This year is going to be wild. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but I don't see anyone backing down. January 6th was bad. The government went after a lot of people. I fear there could be something substantially worse than January 6th, a riot. What happens after the, the, the torture and abuses that we've seen? And yeah, there was torture. Solitary confinement for a year, that's torture. People are not happy about this. And if somehow Biden pulls something off or Democrats do something, it's going to get wild. I hope everybody stays calm because I think we're winning this one. But I want you all to imagine this, each and every one of you, and ask your friends, imagine yourselves on election night when they announce that Donald Trump has won the race. Think about how you'll feel. You need to redouble your efforts to guarantee you get that outcome, whatever it may be. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.